Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors in life, whether they be big, small, or anywhere in between. And when we keep those bottled up, it can start to affect us in a negative way. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched up with a licensed therapist, and if for some reason that therapist isn't working out for you, you can switch at any time for no additional charge. Get life's challenges off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Block M to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Block M. All right, welcome to Out of the Blue from the Block M Podcast Network, part of the Fan First Sports Network, a podcast of diabolical weirdness forged in the fires of 90s sitcoms. I am Jared Stormer of MazingBrew.com. With me, as always, is Andy Bailey, my hetero life mate, also of MazingBrew.com. Andy, you bashful but credible source of Michigan history and beer knowledge. How the hell are you, sir? Doing good, man. I mean... You and I were just talking off air. We're already into week six. Like, we got to enjoy this. It's going to be gone before we know it. I know. I As much as that excites me because we've got some great games coming up, you've got to take a moment and, like Ferris Bueller, just sit back and enjoy it. Drink it in because that yeah. Nebraska game was, I would say, the most enjoyable watch through for me. I know you were nursing through a hangover, but as far as enjoyable watches, was that your most enjoyable thus far? Oh, yeah, 100%. One of the most enjoyable of the last two years. Like, I think a lot of games from last year was kind of like a grind for a little bit, and then it gets in Michigan pulls away late. Like, this one – Never in doubt, comfortable, fun, enjoyable, memorable, exciting plays. Like, really had a little bit of everything. Yep, you got to soak it in because we spend so much of the year just waiting for for Michigan football, and it just doesn't seem like enough. I would be a full proponent of going, like, give me an extra game, or can we televise practices? Like, you got to give me something. I'm like a crack addict here. (laughs) Need it. Uh, Speaking of crack addicts, we're going to fiend out here for an extra 25 minutes on this podcast. You get a little extra out of the blue this week and during the season. Broke down the Nebraska game in the previous podcast. We're going to talk about Minnesota in this one. Also want to talk through some Wolverines in the NFL. Anything else that you wanted to touch on? Anything that caught your eye this week, sir? Nothing that's happened, but what's coming up? I do want to take a look at the college football landscape at large before we get off tonight. Yeah. All right, let's do it. What do we got going for us in week six? Oh, my goodness. So there's some good games here, some sleepy upsets to keep an eye on. You have uh, Purdue's high-potent passing offense going against Iowa for the real sickos out there. I'm going to love this game. Uh, you have Alabama, Texas A&M. A&M's given Bama problems in the past. Could they eliminate them from playoff contention this weekend? 
Syracuse at North Carolina. Dino Babers has that team rolling, so it'll be something to watch out for. Washington State, one of uh, your and I's just collective favorite teams to watch from a distance, and Cam Ward. They're going down to UCLA this weekend. Um, Marshall, one of the undefeated teams from my home state, going at NC State. Uh, kind of cool to see him keep that going, pulling upset. Rutgers at Wisconsin, another sickos game that you and I are going to be locked in for at noon next week. Um, Maryland at Ohio State, we talked in the previous pod about that. Uh, LSU at Missouri, but I think the headliner of the week has to be the Red River rivalry, Oklahoma and Texas in the Cotton Bowl. Yeah, really excited for that. Oklahoma start to turn things around after a disastrous first season under Brent Venables, looking a lot more confident. Dylan Gabriel's been really solid at quarterback for them, but the defense has improved. So they could definitely give Texas a challenge. Texas is by no means infallible, unbeatable. I predicted them to have a loss going into this too. Of course, if Oklahoma beats them, they're just going to swap positions. They're going to move Oklahoma way up in the ranking. Should they pull that victory out? Let's not sleep on Kentucky, Georgia. I think Georgia got, yes. Thank you. Yeah. I was going to say, because Georgia got caught napping a little bit against Auburn. If you get caught napping against Kentucky, they're a way better team. Their running back last week went off. Yes. I don't know if you looked at our fantasy league, the dude put up like 60 something points. Uh, he's a beast. It's like Raheem Davis or something. Ray like that. Davis, Ray Davis, simple, elegant name. Um, it's at Georgia at night. So there's no way they're overlooking this game, but definitely need to keep an eye on it. Yeah, Kentucky, uh, really good at running the ball, really good at stopping it, not so good at stopping the pass. So this is going to be a really interesting game, putting a lot on a young starter's shoulders for Georgia and seeing what they can do in this game. I'm really intrigued by it, man. Like Georgia, they always come in with a stiff game plan against the Bulldogs, and whether it lasts for a half or three quarters, like I think it's going to be at least a tight first half. Yeah, I'm with you. And the night games are certainly some of the most intriguing. While Michigan Michigan is playing Minnesota, you'll also have Notre Dame at Louisville. Uh, Louisville currently under the tutelage of former Purdue head coach, Jeff, Jeff Braun, who's uh, off to a great start, has them ranked number 25, even though that should be Maryland. I digress. Another tough test for Notre Dame, who does not have an easy schedule, despite being not in a conference. Got to give them to him there. Arkansas, Mississippi going at 730. So yeah, a lot of good night games. Uh, the night cap Arizona at USC Jed fish. He's got one in him. I don't know if he's quite there yet to pull this upset at USC at night. Not that the folks in LA are going to show out for this one, but he's getting close. Just, just keep an eye on Jed fish. I mean, he just played Washington to within one touchdown last week. I mean, it was a home game, but it's like, these are the kind of wacky pac 12 games that like you could see a team like USC overlooking and like, maybe it's tight in the fourth quarter. There's a mistake one way or another. Anyone getting upset this week? Who do you got your eye on? We were, I was definitely wrong about my Pittsburgh take. Uh, uh, so my bad. Um, I like, I like Texas A&M over Alabama. Whoa. I just, I never buy into A&M every year. They try and tell me A&M's good and I get it that Alabama can't really do much on offense and the defense is suspect, which is wild suspect for Alabama. Uh, I just can't get there with Texas A&M. Um, let me see. Who do I, I don't, like it's here? not that uh, I think Oklahoma that Oklahoma over Texas isn't a huge upset, but I could definitely see that happening. Yeah. It's not really that I think like A&M is, is that good, but like two years ago in college station, they uh, famously got Alabama. They, they were kind of down that year. I just think Jimbo Fisher, it's just one of those games. He's always going to like give Saban fits kind of like how you freeze when he used to be at uh old miss would give Saban fits. I think it's one of those guys. Um, they score out really well in the S and P they're in the top 10. I just think it's, and it's fact that it's in College Station again. 
I think it just ripe for an upset. Yeah, I like it. I don't hate it. Uh, Notre Dame needs to be careful. If they're going to keep all these these games low scoring and close towards yep. the end, like you're you're right for an upset any week. So keep it close at Louisville with Jeff Brom. Anything could happen there. Notre Dame certainly could get another loss on their schedule. Um, maybe Arkansas over Ole Miss after an emotional win for Ole Miss over LSU. Keep an eye on that one. I got one for you. Hit me. We're thinking about Rutgers. Who's Rutgers got this week? Wisconsin in Madison. Oh, 100% I could see that. Yeah, not even an upset. Loving this Rutgers team. You and I are so uh, bored. So we like Shiano and how physical this team is. Like the way Washington State pushed around Wisconsin's front, like I think I think Rutgers can replicate that. I, I love it. You and I are all aboard this Rutgers team. We're sickos at this point yes, in our old age. The more we're just like, oh, you know, did you see what that left guard was able to do there <laughs> on that pin and pull? That was delightful. <laughs> <laughs> smoking out of a corn cob pipe. And I already mentioned uh, Maryland versus Ohio state. I yep. give way more respect to this Maryland team than do most, but they've got the elements to pull an upset. They've got a quarterback that can complete passes down the field that can score. And their defense is respectable, which are the, uh, the tried and true uh, fundamental factors of a stormers upset. This is something I'm still workshopping. So we'll come up with a better name for it, but you need some of those things and to be able to pull off an upset. So Maryland could do it. I wish this one was at Maryland, but they were able to keep it close last year. Yeah, it's they're going to need. I mean, they definitely showed signs of improvement because under Mike Loxley until last year, their first two games, they lost 73 to 14 in 2019 Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. 66 to 17 in 2021. But last year, 43 to 30 in a game that was much closer than 13 points at the end. Yeah, it's like sometimes when you're horribly scarred in a chemical fire, that builds character. So you come back. (laughs) Yeah, so this is actually secretly a good thing for Maryland that they got beat by 66. I'm going to spin this. Your second chemical fire reference this week. (laughs) Won't be the last. (laughs) Oh, man. All right. Uh, Let's talk some Wolverines in the NFL, shall we, sir? Let's let's do it. We're going to talk Hutch again, or we we already waxed poetic enough on that this week. We did wax poetic on him. I don't know if we mentioned that his uh, first sack, I believe, or his only sack was on John Runyon. There was some Michigan on Michigan crime that occurred in that game. Uh, I both cried and laughed and wept in the same moment. That was nice. Just still good to see Runyon out there. Yeah, it was kind of like when Mo Hurst got one past uh, Ben Bredesen, or it was by Mason Cole, excuse me. And I was like, oh, man, this one kind of hurts, but it always feels good to watch Mo Hurst celebrate with the belly rub so <laughs> after the sack. Great. Yeah, he had a great game this week for Cleveland, too. Uh, a Cleveland team that I can't bring myself to watch, can't stomach the watch to to keep with that pun. But, yeah, I, I'm glad to see that he's still showing out. I, were you able to watch that Cleveland game? Yeah, it was frustrating because I benched Lamar in fantasy, but uh, not to be like the Jameer Gibbs complainers of the world. I'm just going to keep it moving. But the game I did enjoy watching this week, I mean, I can't believe I'm saying this, was the Houston Texans. Let's go. Let's go. I uh, I turned on the NFL Sunday ticket. And I was like, let's give this a go. Let's give this a little tr- a test ride. Happened to flip in on Houston Texans versus Pittsburgh, a game I would never in a million years check out just because I wanted to see if Nico Collins would show out. And he did. He did not disappoint. Seven receptions, a buck 68, two touchdowns. We've been screaming this from rooftops for weeks now, but like, did we even undersell it? Like, could this dude be an absolute star in the NFL? I said he's for sure an NFL wide receiver. Is he a star NFL yes. wide receiver? 
Yes, he is. I mean, the connection and the chemistry he and Stroud are showing is very advanced for this. I mean, four game sample size into a career together. It's so nice because you and I felt so bad for Nico kind of just being left alone on an island. But D'Amico Ryan is doing incredible things with that organization and just really being the adult in the room, empowering all of his players. Seems like they all have a lot of fun playing together. And I mean, we call out our wins or we call out our losses. Like I was did not think CJ Stroud would ever be this good in the NFL ever and he looks in complete command of an offense and looks like a grown-up out there so i mean shout out to him shout out to nico facts you're absolutely right count me as one of the ones that cj actually no we said cj stroud could do it my whole thing with cj stroud has been he can't do it in the cold once you get once you hit him that is good thing he's in houston in a dome baby He's in Houston in a dome. I was like, yeah, that'll work because once he comes up to Lambeau, no, that ain't going to be it. Or if he got drafted to the Packers, I would not like it, but he likes it where it's nice and warm, cool and comfortable. And if he wants to go make a career for Nico Collins, let's all join hands across the state of Ohio and Michigan for a moment. That's great. That's fantastic. Let's, let's keep rooting for it. And Texans, Texans haven't been good since like the Andre Johnson era. Uh, So like they they were good. Deshaun Watson, they were pretty good. I mean, went to second round of the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, that kind of the same era, but I guess that it feels like it's longer ago than it was, but it was really probably like four years ago. It's really not that long ago, but yeah, Deshaun Watson's had a bit of a character change since then. There's been some <laughs> developments. <laughs> um, Dax development. Hill, for since some developments have happened. Some new, new shit has come to light. Uh, Dax Hill for Cincinnati, eight tackles and a pick for a Cincinnati team that I can't make heads or tails of. They're in serious trouble here if Joe Burrow can't get right, but he's looking awesome. Currently projected by ESPN to finish the season with nine interceptions. Uh, I don't know if seems we good. can. Go, yeah, seems all right. I don't know if we can track that and consider that gospel, but seems like a good stat. It's it's so awesome to see. It kind of seems like it's the year from hell from Cincinnati. Like you kind of wonder if they would have been better off just sitting Burrow for the first four games and then bringing him back like fully healthy instead of kind of just like half-assing like he can play or he can't play. So it sucks to see it right now. Like it is nice to see Dax Hill shine out though. Like we knew this was coming. This was one of our like, there's no way this guy is going to suck at the next level kind of players. And it's really awesome to see it come by, I mean, full speed already in just year two. Yeah. Uh, like you said, we celebrate our wins and our losses. We're certainly going to take a victory lap for the Dax Hill one, but just how good he could be remains to be seen. And I just want them to make the playoffs. I kind of like Cincy and I want this guy to be introduced to household names, just like Hutchinson is starting to be introduced to household names as a household name. Excuse me. Uh, Josh Uche, maybe not a household name, but another sack for him continuing on with his pretty pretty impressive pace really that he's been on as well so wolverine edge rushers continue to lead the way love that there was some conversation going on on um, sunday and even on thursday about michigan being defensive line you like the, the national audience really starting to pick up on this just really awesome work because when you and i first started covering michigan the the nfl conversation was not that fun it was like no. a lot of brady and like hey brandon graham's still kicking around and like you know the occasional tight end might work his way onto the field or something but now you look around and, and wolverines in the nfl are starting to make this a national conversation which is a lot of fun it's nice to see even like watching the uh, Lions game last week and just like having having a fear of Rashawn Gary because he's a good edge rusher on the Packers like this is kind of cool like I love to see him put it yeah. together I love to see how like littered it is I mean you can go back and do the history of like Wolverines being drafted year by year and then you can visibly see the Harbaugh effect 
it goes from like maybe four or five guys getting selected to like eight, 10, 15. And it's like, it goes all over the place. Like it's just a trackable like increase. And it's like, it's so cool to see because no matter what game you tune into now, it's a better chance than not. You're going to see a Michigan player. Yeah, exactly. And it's it's tough to really see it as it's happening because you're like, oh, you know, cool. Cesar Ruiz is on uh, New Orleans now. But then like when you look at it from 30,000 feet, you're like, man, I watch a lot of Wolverines on my Sundays now, too. Like, how great is this? And yeah, if you were watching Green Bay versus Detroit on offense, you were watching John Runyon on defense. You were watching Rashawn Gary. And then on the other side, you're watching Graham Glasgow and you're watching Aiden Hutchinson. And there's other teams like the freaking Patriots where you're watching even more than that. So, yeah, it's just just been a lot of fun. So we'll continue to touch on that as these guys show out. Excited to see where we end this year, particularly as ed- an edge rushing group to further my agenda that Michigan is actually just lineman you, not just offensive or defensive. It's just both sides of the ball. So it's been great. Uh, anything else? Oh, I had one other NFL thing I wanted to touch on. We're officially on Caleb Williams in the NFC North watch bears need to win a damn game. And then we need Carolina to win a damn game. I do not want to have to see Caleb Williams twice a year. That dude's a problem. All right. The bears need to get it together and win a game or two. Can you do that? I don't know if they can, man. Like, I mean, (laughs) I mean, Owen, Owen 17 might be on the table. Like this team is really bad mismanaged. Like, a lot of things they if they have Carolina's draft picks, they might have two cracks at the top five. Like, Ugh. yeah, I and Marvin Harrison in the division. Ugh. Yeah, well, they need more help than that. They need to get a lineman, get Joe Alt from Notre Dame or something. But God, I mean, they are awful right now, all over the place. So maybe Arizona can out tank them, like not win another game. Hopefully, the Bears can scratch and claw to one victory. But I'm with you, man. Caleb William watch in terms of fear is a very real thing. Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com amazing to start your springtime adventure. Don't want it. Don't want to see it. Uh, All right. Minnesota this week, sir. It is a night game. We travel to Minnesota, a place that can be a little bit tricky. Uh, You you think back to the the goal line fourth down uh, stand that Michigan had. You think back to the Kalik Hudson game. There's been some tricky ones in here. This is a different Minnesota team turning over a lot of the guys from their nine and four team. They were five and four in the Big Ten last year. This is PJ Flex seventh year overall, 44 and 27. Um, That's solid. Really good. Yeah, like really good. And that's uh, 74 and 49 overall. uh, If you take his overall coaching record, just like a really good head coach. And yeah, they turn over a lot of the guys gone are the uh, Muhammad Ibrahim's of the world, as well as some of those electric pass catchers in is Arthur Calicook Manis, Darius Taylor's. I know you've been able to watch this team a little bit. You and I have at least seen uh, I've seen a whole game's worth of Minnesota at this point. What are your overall thoughts on this Minnesota team? I mean, they're built very similarly to Nebraska. Like, it's just, it's eerie. It's eerie at some points. I really think if Jeff Sims didn't play in week one, Nebraska beats them. 
and probably beats them by 10. Like they had every business winning that game. You even talked about during that, like how just evident it was that Matt rules a better coach than Scott Frost and what he brings to the table for Nebraska. Like Fleck been there seasoned winner, like understands what to do, weathered the storm in that game and found a way to win. I think that's what really good coaches do. And this team, if they can run the football, they have one of the best offensive line coaches in the country. They're going to do that and they're going to be tough to stop. But if Minnesota can't run the football, under P.J. Fleck, that's been a recipe for disaster. Yep, absolutely. My first takeaway is when I watched um, that Nebraska game was the one I watched start to finish was, boy, are they going to miss Mo Ibrahim. Darius Taylor has started to emerge and fill that void. A really good running back. We don't know if we're going to see him this week. We will see, not Arthur, as I just recently called him, Ethan Kaliak-Manis. Love that I could get the last name right, but called him Arthur Kaliak-Manis. The Greek rifle, who's... Uh, numbers for 2023 look very similar to his numbers from 2022. He's completing 58% of his passes, about six yards of completion, five touchdowns, four interceptions. I mean, this is pretty much what we saw from him last year. The interceptions still remain a problem. I mean, four picks through this many games with only five touchdowns suggests a little bit of inaccuracy. Uh, he also doesn't have quite the pass catching, uh, receivers that he's had as well as tight ends i do like brevin span for their tight end but it's not a great great pass catching lineup so they can't really pass the ball that well i'm not certainly not afraid of this pass offense which is like what do we say 125th in the country number one yeah 121 in passing offense at 150 yards per game injured running back that they want to build their entire offensive attack on and an okay offensive line it doesn't sound like an offense that's built to upset Michigan to me. Yeah. Uh, passing offense updated 125. So they fell last week against Louisiana. Um, the one good thing uh, and for Minnesota is that even despite being without their star freshman running back, they got a good showing last week by another freshman. I got his name right here. It was Zach Evans. He averaged five, over five yards a carry, 15 for 85, like really helped set up a nice fluent day from the Greek rifle. He was 12 of 14, two touchdowns, still threw a pick. So I think he's going to give some opportunities to this Michigan secondary to finally get their mm -hmm. feet underneath them. And like, listen, this is a reset year for Minnesota. Yeah. Like last year was the year, kind of got bit by the injury bug a little bit, but like last year was the big year for them. Chris Ottman Bell is somehow still in college. I don't understand it. I think he's a sixth or seventh year receiver there, but we've been talking about him forever. Um, and as, as one-sided as this rivalry has been, like the last, I, I think Michigan's 25 and two in the last 27 meetings, like the last loss occurred in 2014, 2005. And then you have to go all the way back to 87 for another one. Like Michigan has really dominated this. Harbaugh has especially had flex number, like with what he's done to him, even go to 2020 with Joe Milton when we were putting him in the Heisman conversation after that first week in the COVID year. So didn't happen. Hey, there's no record of it. Uh, so it's just, I just don't think Minnesota has the horses. Like it could be a wacky game. I think the rat poison theory though is pretty prevalent here. Uh, expand on that. So Nick Saban always talks about rat poison as praise. So like you get the praise, everyone tells you how good you are. Kind of think Michigan after UNLV. Man, this team is so good. JJ's so efficient. They can kill anybody. And then you go play Bowling Green, you throw three picks, and the game struggles, and it's wacky. It's 
up and down. It's inconsistent. Like that's the biggest fear here. The last two years, Michigan has struggled in their second of back-to-back road games in week five and week six. Two years ago, we all know what happened in Nebraska. Needed Jake Moody to go superhuman because the red zone offense couldn't execute. Last year, Against Indiana, Mike Hart has the health scare on the sideline. Michigan and Indiana are tied at the half. Michigan pulls away in the second half, and that game was locked up even 10 apiece at halftime. So you could see some wacky things here. could be a rat poison game, but I really anticipate this team and their culture to at least come in focused enough to weather a first quarter or a first half storm. Well said. I totally agree that the only things I worry about are intrinsic rather than extrinsic. 100%. I do not worry. I do not worry about the Minnesota faithful and that yeah. atmosphere, which is a perfectly great atmosphere. Seems yeah. like a fun place for a ball game. But if we can handle Nebraska, if we can handle at Wisconsin, this is not at that level. JJ's already shown. I mean, you we can talk about the TCU game, but the way he responded in that in a much bigger situation, you know, Big Ten championships, Ohio State. We've seen this team in much bigger scenarios so at minnesota shouldn't scare them the rat poison thing is a a well taken point i could see that particularly coming off your best game of the season against nebraska where anything we were going to call was going to work in that game there was really nothing that was not working against nebraska so i think you're right i think you hit it on the head the things to worry about got to take control of the ball uh got to shut down their rushing attack force them to pass and if they do the greek rifle as you mentioned not sure he's quite earned that nickname but, uh, you know, no one said the rifle was accurate. It just shoots. It, it still fires. She's still she's still got uh, she's still got some gunpowder in her. So I do think that they will be able to score more than Nebraska or Rutgers do. I think their first team offense can get something on the board, particularly early on in this one to keep things close. But the defense is going to win the day. The Michigan defense. Um, any other thoughts on the, the Minnesota offense before we go to the other side of the ball? Do you think this is the first game Michigan's first team defense gives up a touchdown? I do. I do. This is about the time of the year where it would happen. And I think if it does happen, it's that PJ Fleck has a really well done scripted drive and he's watched enough Michigan tape at this point to find something, to find a seam. Like there has been some missed tackles in the back end. It's due to just kind of like laziness or general malaise in the back end. And it's a little later in games, but it's possible that Michigan's a little hyped up early on in this one. So I'll say that the first team offense does score this week, but then that's going to be about it. How about you? Yeah, I think so too. I, I can see Minnesota getting to double digits in this game, which is, I mean, it sounds like such an arrogant thing to say, but it's like based off what Michigan has done, like, I mean, it's a place to start. So I do think they'll get there though. Like you said, like Flex going to have a trick or two up his sleeve, something here or there to give his team some kind of like schematic advantage, whether it's momentary or not. Yeah, I think, you know, we were a little bit, dubious of pj fleck coming in i would say we've both come firmly on board that he's a really good coach and i mean who knows you give that guy an auburn or something it could be really good or maybe this is exactly where he belongs as at a place like minnesota where he can take them to being a really competent team and and that's just who pj fleck is there are way worse things you could be than a really competent head football coach at the university of minnesota so i respect pj fleck a little weird i mean seems like he's got some weird fleck strange guy strange guy but i mean jim harbaugh like talking to kids and being like hey you didn't read that army book about armies marching better when hungry all right (laughs) talking to a seven-year-old i was like son i I need you to quit being stupid all right try that next time yeah it's like 
all most like good college coaches are a little quirky and weird. And like, you know, it's like you always love your own. So like we love Harbaugh. And I'm sure Minnesota fans for the most part love Flex the same way. Exactly. Uh, let's move over to the defense where there's some guys who really like this is a strong defense. It's uh, not as good as some Minnesota defenses of past years, but they they just turn out like really good guys that I would like to have on my team. Uh, this year, it's Tyler Newbin, their safety, who I really, really like. I don't know if I would take him or Cooper DeGene first in a draft, but I like them both. Uh, Newbin's been a beast for him. He's all over the field, so expect him to do some stuff. He's going to probably be tasked with backing up on Roman Wilson, I would guess, but they're going to need him in the run game. He's going to be all over, but uh, he can't do it on his own. Um, as far as other guys on the defense, um, Henderson in the backfield there had a pick last week. Chris Collins had a pick last, or no, excuse me, I'm looking at the North Carolina game uh, where they picked off Drake May. So they've got some guys in the back end, but you know, replacing some dudes in the front seven, replacing quite a bit actually in the front seven. What's your take on this defense overall? I mean, there are 133 teams in FBS and Minnesota is 62nd in total defense. So the definition of average, like literally the t- mid mid, I mean, they are okay at stopping the run and they are okay at stopping the pass. So it's like, if they can give Michigan some fits in the front seven, then they're going to have a chance to get McCarthy into some throws, maybe take a chance here and Newbin baits them into something to get an interception, get that uh, upset momentum really churning their way. But it's a tall task now with what we saw from Michigan's offensive line last week to assume that Minnesota's defensive line can generate that kind of movement or havoc or make Michigan more one-dimensional. Yeah, I'm with you. It's Newbin, it's uh, it's Henderson, and then there's on the defensive line Maverick Baranowski, which is hell just yeah, incredible name, and dude can play too. So watch him on the defensive line. Yeah, I agree. It, it's a couple guys, and and then working in a lot of new guys, a lot of younger dudes there. And like you said, what is there to be said about a defense that falls in the exact middle? Like they they are neither hot nor cold, so we spit them out. <laughs> well, like they're 59th in sack. So again, right in the middle. Tackle for loss are a little lower at 110, but it's like pretty much every statistic you measure this defense by, it's right in the middle. And I guess in a rebuilding year, I guess that's kind of where you want to be if you can't be towards the top with all the new pieces. I'm with you. So the Minnesota blueprint for an upset, early turnover, early yep early two touchdowns because we know one touchdown isn't going to beat this. So you got to get like two on the board early. Hope to keep it around 27, 28 yeah, late in I, the game. Again, I keep saying Michigan's uh, deep starting defense hasn't given up a touchdown, just completely forgetting the Rutgers game. Like it didn't happen. So <laughs> apologies for that. Cause I got the touchdown like on the second play of the game, but um, that's what that's, that's what they need. So they need a some turnovers. They need a quick strike like on a slant or something like that to really break it open. And then they need maybe like a muffed kick, something tricky in the special teams area like that to swing it or a big another big play, maybe perhaps on defense with a tip ball. Just they need this game to be as chaotic as possible. They need complete chaos in this game to really muddy it up and get Michigan out of sorts and off schedule. I'm with you there. Also, don't ever expect me to correct you when you say something incorrect about Michigan history. That's why you're here. I have the memory of Guy Pierce from Memento, so I'm not, I'm not going to be able to back you up on this. I, can't, I said it on the other pod, and I was like, oh, that's not right. Is That did happen. So I keep forgetting that happened, but you know, can't forget all bad things. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, no, it's it's fine. But I know you'll correct me when I say something out of pocket. So it's great. This is a good balance here. Yeah, I totally see it the same way, though, man. It, they got to make it weird early on. They got to try to find a way to get in JJ's head, which the Zen Buddhism in him, it's just not going to happen. The man will be at peace with the world and all around him. I expect him to keep doing what he does. It's so crazy to look at his uh, QBR, his passer rating by game. That Bowling Green game is such an anomaly such an anomaly and i will expect it to remain as such i think that they're going to keep doing what they're doing they're just getting started it wouldn't surprise me i would say more likely michigan blows them out than more likely minnesota pulls this upset would you agree 100 percent. like you look at all the numbers like a team that's like tries to do what nebraska did it's going to be really difficult to beat michigan at their own game and control the offensive line uh one stat to keep an eye on in this that could swing things uh, Minnesota is number 131 in the country in opponents' kick returns. They allow over 30 yards per kick return. So I could Ooh. see Jay Harbaugh licking his chops at this one to just set something up, set up a big return, and kind of break something there. Like get Kaleo Mullings running full speed, see what happens there. But no, man, just like if you can't pass the ball efficiently, if you don't have that kind of established balance into your offense, it's really hard for me to see this game even being close. Cologne Mullings at full speed hitting the earth is basically what killed the dinosaurs. We can't have that. Like you cannot get Cologne Mullings up to speed. No, it's going to kill someone. Yeah. Like that. I mean, the way he's running the football right now, I would not want to be in his way. So keep an eye on kick returns this week. Yeah. Maybe get some Maj Morgan, somebody in there, get a little bit spicy with it. I like it. I like yep. where your head's at there. Minnesota also thirst, uh, third least penalized team in the league. So it uh, goes to the well coaching theory yeah. that we had there. Uh, Michigan second behind army. So it's army, Michigan, Minnesota, just discipline at the top. God, I love it. <laughs> Waking up in the morning and making my bed, just making a nice smoothie. I believe this was the first game for Michigan since the since 66. This thing was in the 60s that they went without having a penalty. Like, that's that's incredible. Wow. That's crazy. If yeah. that, damn. We'll have to we'll we'll have to come back and, and verify that stat. If that's true, that is absolutely wild. But yeah, this Michigan team has been extremely, extremely crisp. Uh, which credit to the whole coaching staff for withstanding the Jim Harbaugh fake suspension and still being one of the least penalized teams in the country. So props to this whole coaching staff. That's been incredible. Um, all right, sir, let's get to some predictions and some players of the game. I was listening back on our last podcast. I don't listen to them all because I hate the sound of my own voice, but uh, I don't like how we've been doing predictions because we've been predicting like, Oh, the tackles will have a good game. I want to see that. So we're going to predict who we would like to see have a good game, but then we're predicting who will be the man of the match, kind of like who will be the the dudes that actually do it. Because I want to be right too. Because yeah. I mean, we would have we would have taken somebody on the defensive line last week for sure. So yeah. we're gonna do it both ways on this one. And also, I'm gonna go first because you going first. I'm always like playing off of your your predictions. So floor is uh, yours. All right, sir. So we already talked about what it's going to take for Minnesota to make this weird. I think that early on they could, and I could see something being given up, but then this Michigan defense is really going to settle in. And on offense, I think you're going to see more of the same balance has been the name of the attack that will continue. So I'm thinking Corum has two touchdowns in him. 
Uh, I'm thinking that Edwards finally gets like a pass going, something like that. I think we're going to need to be a little bit more balanced and see more than whatever it was, 156 yards passing that JJ had last week. I think you'll actually need to explore the studio space a little bit more. So who I would like to see have a good game in this one, Donovan Edwards. I would like to see Donovan Edwards get going in the passing game. <laughs> and I would like, I mean, this seems like there's always somebody against Minnesota that just has a career game. And it's like the, the Khalid Cudson game. And there's been some really fun ones the donovan edwards wasn't it against minnesota that he went off uh what was that two was that no it wasn't edwards no it was uh, i'm thinking of edwards against like maryland Maryland. yep 2021 thinking of of edwards against maryland but yeah something similar to that game here against minnesota uh on offense and i think that on defense who i would like to see have a good game to get things going would be will johnson for sure like i don't know how much they're going to test him in this one uh the, the Greek rifle is more like a, a Greek pellet gun or like you know, something, something mildly lethal. So I don't know how much they're going to test Will Johnson in this one, but who I think will be the man of the match on offense. Give me JJ on defense. Give me, give me one second here. I want to get this right. Who Who's due? Who's due? I think it's going to be nah, Chris Jenkins is too boring. It's the Jalen Harrell game. It's the Jalen Harrell game. I like that. Both uh, yeah. score prediction. Score prediction. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I think Michigan's going to let me go thirty-eight to thirteen. Thirty-eight thirteen. Michigan in this one. I do think they will get on the board early. Hold them to a field goal right around the half. Maybe things are a little bit closer than you'd like around the half, and then Michigan leans on them. So thirty-eight thirteen for me, sir. The floor is yours. I like that a lot. Uh, players I want to see have a good game are going to be Rod Moore on defense. I'd love to see him get back to the first team now. If you got to play a lot of snaps last week with the second, third, and reserves, as he could finally just fully get his sea legs underneath him for the season. So I'd love to see Rod Moore have a good game on offense. I'd love to see Cornelius Johnson have a big one. Like spread the love around a little bit. I'd love to see him have that. But uh, offensively, I'm going to go with Donovan Edwards, does have a big one. They made a concerted effort to get him into the rhythm, gave him a bunch of carries early last week. I like the way they divided the carries more in the Nebraska game. It wasn't so much every other snap. It was more like, let's go five here, five there. Gives both players a chance to get involved in the passing and the rushing game, so I love that. And defensively, let's not get cute about it. Mikey Sainer still has two picks on the year, has a touchdown. I think he's going to have a big one, especially like coming in to help stop the run. The Greek rifle is going to give this team several opportunities to have an interception. So I would be shocked if Michigan leaves Minneapolis with with under two picks in this game. So watch out for the turnovers. Uh, Michigan's going to cruise in this one. I think it could be tight for two possessions at the most. I couldn't. See, I don't see it being a full quarter with as disciplined as they've played. There is room for the rat poison theory, but I think – too cultured, too smart, too veteran-laden. Michigan wins 42-10. Love this. Yeah, love it. Absolutely. Is there a case for this because of how close everything has been on the defensive line? Could you make a case if you were voting today that Mikey Sainer still has been the best player on this defense? I think it's still somebody on the defensive line. Uh, the defensive line has just been too good. Like, I think I'd go with the best player on it, which is Chris Jenkins. But Sainer still has been exciting. He's been the best player in the secondary, or if you include the linebackers, like in that group, well, he's been the best one. But, man, the defensive line in Michigan this year has been just unbelievably good. Like, I mean, exceptionally generationally good. <laughs> 
you and I, I mean, I, I'm never going to look forward to the end of the season because I'm going to savor every single like yep. Rutgers minute with Greg Crippen playing at center. I love it all, but I can't wait to start talking historically about what we're witnessing with this team. It's going to be a lot of fun because we're setting some benchmarks and it's going to be that kind of a, a team, that kind of a defense, that kind of an offense where we're going to be able to talk about them amongst some of the greatest in Michigan history. Glad to be here talking about it with you, my friend. Glad that you are all listening. Thank you so much for listening. Make sure that you like, share, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, whether it's Spotify, Apple Music, or wherever. Give us a follow on Twitter, at Maze and Brew. You can follow Andy and myself. I'm at JStorm303. He's at UMAndrewB. Make sure you stay tuned. I don't know if it's going to be next week or the week after. We will have a reaction podcast coming up that will go up on YouTube either after Minnesota or after Indiana. We'll keep you posted on that, but make sure you come to Maize and Brew for all your Michigan needs. I'm Jared. That's Andy. This is Out of the Blue. We'd like to remind you that wherever you go, go blue.